What is the psychology of staying safe online? Over the last year, a lot of us have been forced to work from home. And while this has proven a benefit in terms of staying safe from the ongoing global pandemic, it has potentially made a lot of us and our employers more vulnerable to computer viruses and malware and other cyber attacks. So when people are out of the office, how do we make sure that they're still thinking about cybersecurity and staying safe online, but also without getting stressed out about it? I'm Danny Palmer. This is ZDNet Security Update. And with me to discuss the psychology of staying safe online is Dr. Margaret Cunningham, Principal Research Scientist at Forcepoint. So Margaret, thanks for joining me. And how has the last year changed things, first of all? What we're finding is that people are having a lot of different types of experiences working from home. Everything from um, working in a small apartment with a partner who's also working, also on the phone, to people who have the uh, privilege and luxury of leaving and going and sitting someplace beautiful to do their work. And um, the way that this impacts people uh, is different personally, and it also has a different impact on how they're interacting with technology, which then results in you know, the security for their company. So it's been really fascinating from a human perspective. When we were still in our offices, we're probably all used to seeing things around the office about things like, like things on the wall saying, you know, watch out for phishing emails or how to stay safe online. I don't imagine many of us are putting those up in our own kitchens so we're to look at when we're making a cup of tea or coffee. So how has this had an impact on the psychology of you know, looking out for these things? Because there's that element there where we do not have necessarily have the direct support we, we're used to having. Now, we can't just go and talk to IT anymore. And there's also the element of, well, of, you know, we're balancing this with everything else that's going on in our lives. As you said, you know, a lot of people are having to juggle a lot of things at once. And potentially things like how you're conducting yourself online is you no. Know, quite far down the list to when you're dealing with uh, the various other things that we're all dealing with right now. You don't have that same um, environmental framing when you walk into your home office, your living room, your bedroom maybe. Um, not to say that that's uh, this alarming huge risk, but your mindset is very different at home. Um, I do think that over time we're probably getting better because we're used to it, but um, you know, consider if you're in an office and everyone around you locks their screen when they walk away. You're more likely to also lock your screen when you walk away. Um, this goes for all sorts of uh, similar types of security behaviors, especially those that are visible. Um, so at home, it's, it's very invisible. We don't have that social learning or the social pressure to, um, you know, put on our work pants, I'll say. <laughs> Some of those things are really ingrained because, as, as you just said, you no know, locking your screen is something that a lot of people do in office. I mean, I'm here on my own. I will still do it when I get up to go to the kitchen because no one's, no one's coming in here to you know, look over my shoulder. But I suppose there are going to be people who are you know, having to work from places where, you know, so in a way, being, being on my own here is a luxury uh, that, you know, I have full control over, you know, who can see uh, what's on my screen. Uh, you know, I have full control over my internet and I set the password, I know, I, I know who's you know, on, on the network, I just me. But when it comes to you know, working from home uh, for a lot of people, they're going to be sharing with uh, you know, their families or flatmates uh, and that sort of thing, which is 
adding another element here because if you're in an office and you're doing your thing, you know, a lot of people have you know, quite sensitive issues they have to uh, think about. Well, you may not have that same uh, security or privacy if you're trying to work from your kitchen uh, in, a, in, in some random flat share. Yeah, and, and you know, it's not so much that, that part I'm like, okay, well, it would be not ideal that your partner or your housemate see something on your screen. To me, what's more concerning is that we're going to carry those kind of sloppier habits forward once we're able to go be in you know public places. So I'm sure as a security person, you've gone through airports and said, wow, I cannot believe the things that people are doing on laptops in airports. <laughs> so I have a feeling that you know as we move forward, as things tend to open up, um, things with the pandemic are, are dialing back, we're gonna notice more of that. Like when we're out in public, people being less careful because their habits on being more careful have deteriorated since they've been in the privacy of their own homes. And I think that's gonna be, uh, for those of us who pay attention to it, really interesting to see out in the wild. Yeah, before all this happened, you'd quite often be getting <laughs> the train uh, to and from the office and you'd see someone, yeah, no, either doing something online on a, on a sort of their work laptop on the, on the, on the tube or the train, or sometimes making sort of you know quite calls on quite sensitive subjects you no know, in public on the train i mean in you no know, more than likely that no one there is going to be used trying to use that information you know for for you know for their own benefit or to sort of get into that company somehow but as as you've met as you say you know a lot of people might have forgotten these little things over last year so how is it i suppose two things so how, why is it that we, we have forgotten these things and how do uh, people start paying attention again and realizing that uh, I need to be more careful now I'm, uh, I'm not working from home I'm working from the, the coffee shop or uh, no I'm at an airport using using the wi-fi when uh, you know, we can we can travel again hopefully and there's all sorts of things to to be considered around that all, all of these elements you know I am a huge champion for talking about security, even if you're not in security. And of course, you know, managers have a lot of things on their plate. They're doing performance reviews. They're trying to figure out how to manage everybody's time. But there's a huge organizational value to talking about dumb things that we've done, uh, things that we've fallen for, mistakes that we've made. Um, and also some tips and tricks that are very concrete or specific that we can say, hey, you know what, this just happened to me. I noticed that when I fixed this, you know, configuration or this default setting, it was way better. You should also do this. Um, or, uh, you know, hey, guess what? Our first trip is coming up in a few weeks. Um, I think we should revisit some of our travel policies with regard to our technology use and what we're carrying with us. Um, even though sometimes we're like, oh yeah, I should think about that. It makes a big difference to talk about it, even if people give you the eye roll. Like, yeah, I know. Okay, well, let's just remind ourselves, why not? It's one of the perpetual problems of cybersecurity that uh, people only really talk about it when things go wrong. And you have the catch-22 of people don't really want to uh, uh, admit or, or that they 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 have you no know, fallen victim to something or 
they've been tricked somehow. So how does this psychological element play a part? Because a lot of cybersecurity is about psychology, both when it comes to how the attackers are operating and how it comes to how people react when um, they are trying to keep themselves safe online. And I suppose more importantly, how they react if they know that something has gone wrong. Sure, I, you know, I think about cybersecurity as a field full of um, risk perception and decision-making. And those two things are very much psychological. And, you know, um, helping people understand the risk and also communicating about that risk is difficult, especially if your organizational culture is sort of punitive, like you make a mistake, see you later. Um, that's not actually going to help you very much. <laughs> um, if you look at other industries, so um, full disclosure, some of my background is in human factors engineering, which is like human safety science, right? So uh, in aviation, in uh, other types of high risk organizational structures, there's a culture of saying, hey, you know, this bad thing almost happened. Uh, let's fix the systemic stuff behind it. And we're not quite there yet. Um, I, I keep pushing the message, like, we, we need to do this, we need to talk about it. But um, as a field, uh, we're still immature in that area. Um, and companies don't understand what they would do with that information. So I think helping people see, like, if I knew all of these almost accident things that have happened, um, first, what would that look like? And then what can I do with it? And I think that's going to be uh, pretty much a critical next step for, for moving beyond the, you failed four fishing tests, <laughs> you know, okay. <laughs> that's one of the things, you know, we've all had to do these fishing tests and cybersecurity training, which, you know, is useful in one respect. Well, on the other hand, it's, they, they're kind of telegraphed in a way, you know, saying, you know, this, you know, you're looking out for something. Well, in the you know sort of uh, inverted commas real world when we're sort of going through hundreds of emails a day it can be you know and we're all pressed for time we're all under stress we're all you know email and instant messaging is how we're reacting and interacting with the world right now and you know it, we're not necessarily using um you know critical analysis to analyze every single email and we know how easy it is for cyber attackers to no, they can they can spoof an email so it looks like it comes from your boss or your colleague. And if someone clicks on one of those, telling them, oh, you've done wrong is, is not going to be a helpful attitude at all, is it? No, it's not. And, and what's funny is like we can't analyze everything. If our if we let our brains or if we asked our brains to analyze every little tiny thing, every link, every URL behind the link, every sender. I mean, we wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. Like there's no possible way to do it. And one of my favorite things I like to ask big groups of people in information security is, can anyone in here guarantee that they've never clicked the bad link? In a room of hundreds of people, no one will raise their hand. And to me that says, no matter what, no matter what your expertise, no, however, no matter how long you've been thinking about security links, phishing, social engineering, whatever, uh, you can still be the person who makes the mistake. Um, you know, it's, it's not about saying, be careful. That's not gonna work. <laughs> so 
what is this, is it that you know organizations and people should be uh, looking at here in order to ha- help people uh, through this journey i mean we're going to be you know a lot of us are still working from home permanently going forward a lot of people will be working from home at least some of the time so how can organizations make it uh, easier for people i suppose to help manage uh, their risks online and how can they you know offer offer support if things do go wrong when you know, they inevitably will i mean or we see on a daily basis, you know, a lot of organizations come victim of some sort of cyber attack. So how should organizations you know, prepare themselves and their employees for uh, that as well? So I think, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the most uh, kind of critical mistakes people are making is trying to control everything. So um, if you think about your day, you create a lot of different data points. You create documents, emails, maybe you write code. Uh, there's a lot that you're creating. Um, then, you know, put on a multiplier of how many people work in an organization. Okay, so how many things per day that you create or contact or touch or whatever are really, really critical for a company? It's not everything, I promise. <laughs> None of us are that important. It really isn't everything. So companies need to do a much better under, under uh, better sort of understanding of um, what their critical data is, what it's defined as, where it lives, and how people are interacting with it, and who those people are. So, you know, that's not to say um, you have to meticulously track everyone and like turn their cameras on and look, that's really, really creepy. And also, it's a privacy issue. But we can have a better understanding of Um, where the most important things are and where those things are going. And by only focusing on specific things, um, we can free people to do things their own way. And by freeing people um, from some of the security friction that's unneeded, uh, I think people work around it less and therefore it sort of contributes to a better security posture in the first place. Um, You know, that's my that's my take on it, but I know, I know there are others who disagree. <laughs> and that's one of the, one of the key things here. So part of this is tr- about making things easy for your uh, for people to do things. Uh, you know, if someone needs to transfer files from one place to another, uh, provide them with you know, a corporate cloud account so they can do that, rather than them you know uploading it to their own personal folder, which might not necessarily have the security protections a corporate account would have and it's little things like that which some organizations may have only really started thinking about in the last year as we have all been um, forced to you know work remotely use a lot of more cloud services rather than internal networks and there's still a lot more to think about on this going forward as well <laughs> yeah and um i i recently did some research uh we had about two thousand responses a thousand from the uk and a thousand from germany And I asked some questions about how people were feeling at home, what some of their obligations were, um, whether they were feeling secure in their job, things like that. But we also asked them about their technology use. And I was expecting, I don't know, maybe 10% of the people to say, yeah, I use my personal cloud for uh, work stuff, but it's over 50%. (laughs) And I was like, oh, what? Okay, so this is not 
first of all, when you answer a survey, sometimes you try and sound better than you are. So for it to hit 50%, my eyebrows hit my hairline. Uh, and I'm thinking like, that's a lot. And that's a lot of data. And if it's going into someone's personal cloud, do companies know where it went? And um, I, I do think that there's going to be a lot of work to do um, to uh, enable people to do their jobs better so that they're not depending on these personal things. And uh, that's an investment. So I suppose to sum up here, uh, what you know, should organizations be doing to, in order to you know, help people uh, not to do these things? I, I imagine part of it is at least provide them the, with the services necessary to do that and you know, invest in your people so they can uh, you know, more efficiently and, and importantly, more safely do their jobs. Yeah, um, I think it comes down to uh, making it easy, but also secure. Uh, communicating and making security visible and also um, being a little bit more understanding of behavior instead of trying to control it. And what I mean by that is uh, acknowledge that there's always going to be someone who clicks the link. Acknowledge there's going to be people using their own personal cloud accounts. Um, think a step beyond that instead of focusing on the person who broke the rule um, so that you're not um, kind of distracting from the real issue at hand, which is mitigating the bad impact of those behaviors, not punishing the behavior because the punishment isn't gonna get your data back. That is a very good point. Yeah, the, the, you know, <laughs> safe is the best thing because you no know, doing it before incidents happen is the best way to keep you and your uh, employees uh, you know, happy uh, and secure. You know, and happy people are uh, more likely to do positive things for your company versus negative things. So um, keeping your people happy and engaged and feeling like they're part of the team is also uh, one of the most crit critical cultural factors for improving your security. Well, thank you, Margaret. That was some very, that's some very good advice and an interesting discussion. Uh, thanks for joining me on ZDNet Security Update. And for more information on how to keep yourself and your organization secure, uh, both you know, on a technical level and on a human level like this, uh, be sure to keep reading ZDNet. Thanks for watching.